Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Careful making wishes in the dark, dark, can't be so Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is up? It is your boy Johnny Mags joined as always with Dan Garcia. We're back for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. And on today's show, we have a guest today, Rhett Bollinger, MLB.com beat writer for the Angels. So we have Rhett here with us now. Rhett, thanks for joining us on the All Angels Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me on again. So, obviously, last time we talked to you, we were um, at the 30-game mark. And, you know, the season wasn't necessarily going the way that we were hoping as Angel fans. But I guess two of the bright spots, and we'll kind of fast forward to the end of it uh, for Angels. One of them was definitely Jared Walsh and his uh, AL Rookie of the Month. But also kind of sneakily, I think Upton's last month, for him at least, and what he has become uh, not bad as far as turning around, hitting five home runs and 12 RBIs, like I said, in the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe you were one of the guys that we talked to that said, you know, give Upton some chance to warm up, uh, you know, because like I said, last time we talked was 30 games into the <laughs> season. So um, especially those two guys, do you think Jared has solidified his spot at first base? And do you think um, Upton can produce at some kind of level going into next year? Yeah, you're right. Those are definitely two guys that had much better second halves in the first half. Uh, that first half, the offense never really – really the team never clicked fully. You know, it seems like every time, you know, the pitching was going well, the offense was bad, and you kind of – some guys came through some slumps. But when Walsh went, you know, off there in September and Upton kind of got going, we combined that with Rendon and Trout, um, it really made for a much better offense. You know, obviously Fletcher up top. Um, the big question is going to be, you know, with Walsh, was that enough of a – of a sample size, you know, going forward. Uh, it was only one month, but obviously it was a, a great month. And, and I think it's probably enough that he can, you know, go into spring training next year as, as, as the favorite there to be the everyday guy at first base um, because of that, you know, that he really was pretty amazing in that, in that sample size there. Um, and Upton, you know, he's done it in the past. I think it was just a good sign that he's not, you know, he's not done in a sense, you know, uh, there definitely was that worry that, Oh my gosh, you know, with the injuries, you know, and last year, well, you know, 2019, sorry, this wasn't a very good year for him. And then, you know, this season too, he just, you know, it almost seemed like a lost cause, but he turned it around and, you know, that's huge for them, especially considering, you know, he's under contract for a few more years. So um, it's hard to really know, but it definitely a good sign for both those guys. Um, and it would be huge for the Angels uh, in 2021 if they can continue uh, to perform because it makes that lineup that much better. Yeah, Uh I would we I'd have to ask this question. I think we asked Mark Gubas all the same question. As, now that we're talking about the end of the season as, of this season, Angels play twenty more games. Do they make the playoffs? I would think so. At the time, I thought they were playing better than the Astros. Um, they were going to pass them. The Astros didn't have much pitching depth at the time. Um, obviously, the Astros credit they actually played pretty well in the postseason. Seems like a lot of those guys just seemed to shine in October, whether it's Springer or even Altuve and and you know Bregman. Those guys seemed to always have big, you know, showings in the, in the play in the playoffs, but in the regular season there, they were kind of struggling at the end, you know, they finished I think, with a losing record too. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the angels just had such a rough start. They couldn't overcome it. Um, but really, you know, if the angels would have just played like they're capable of, I think on paper this season, you know, especially in the shortened season, they were better than the Astros because of the pitching depth issues with the Astros, but you know, it was, it was 60 games and then the angels missed it again and had been their losing record. And the Astros got in and actually had a, a decent showing there in the postseason. So another big um, 
issue. I don't know if it's necessarily an issue, but something that came about towards the end of the year, uh, Wes Simmons opting out. Uh, I believe it was like with a week left. Yeah. Uh, do you have any? Was there any? Did anything ever come out to say why he opted out? And uh, more so, do you think there's a chance he comes back to the Angels during this off season? He never said anything specifically in terms of to the media. He never spoke to us after it happened. Uh, but in, in his release, it, it sounded like it was something to do with COVID fears. Um, of course, it was kind of interesting the way the Angels actually were still in it that last weekend. I wonder if he didn't think that was going to happen or not. But um, at this point, I'd be pretty surprised if he came back. Uh, it almost seemed like, too, that was almost like a farewell, uh, yeah. almost kind of thanking the fans and that kind of thing. So, um, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be like, you know, you can't totally rule it out. But at this point, I think just the way things went there, you know, I even asked Mike Trout about it when we had Mike Trout on Zoom at the end of the year. And I asked him specifically, did that surprise you about Simmons? And he said, yeah. So, I mean, I think even his teammates, uh, it caught them off guard. Uh, I think Simmons told Trout about it uh, the day before, I think, just during batting practice, just telling him, hey, I'm done after tonight or something. So it, it was just kind of weird timing. And I think Joe Madden didn't even know until that, until that next day. He didn't know until the day of. So in terms of the actual timing of it, too, and the execution of it, it probably could have been handled a little bit better. But – Obviously, people have their reasons, and with everything going on in the COVID and everything else, I don't know specifically if something happened to his family. So, you know, you can't really judge him yet without knowing the full facts because he hasn't really spoke out officially on what happened. Um, but it, it definitely kind of was strange in a sense, and, and I would think that probably means more likely he won't be back. Yeah, and, you know, when he uh, released that statement, it almost seemed like a farewell, goodbye right. little statement that he made, you know, so kind of stamping the – I'm leaving. Yeah, I think totally. Um, so, you know, with that happening, it, you know, David Fletcher had another great year this season, you know, 60, 60 games, but a great season for David Fletcher. Um, and this is going to be a question we'll probably ask, you know, off season thing, but uh, David Fletcher, how important was he this season and, and moving forward for the angels? Oh, he was huge. You know, he was one of their best players. Um, and, and really ever since he's come up, you know, he's been underrated and one of the best players, uh, in baseball, just because of his ability to make contact, avoid strikeouts, to be a plus defender with a better arm than people give him credit for. Um, he really is a really good player. I mean, obviously, the power isn't really there, but that's really the only tool that he's lacking. And so, um, you know, you can plug him in pretty much anywhere in the infield. He helped out with all those injuries they had, especially when Simmons went down. Uh, the big question going forward is, you know, is he good enough defensively to be an everyday shortstop? Um, I think the answer is, I think he can, uh, you know, you'd always have to worry about durability. It is kind of a tough position to play, uh, every day, but you know, and so it's going to be interesting to see this off season, if the angels decide to go after a shortstop and make Fletcher the everyday second baseman, or if they feel like they can actually make Fletcher the shortstop and find a second baseman on the, on the market. I, I think they're probably more likely to get a shortstop out there, but at least Fletcher gives them some options, uh, which is really important to them. So obviously the season happened playoffs, angels didn't make it. A uh, couple of tweaks this season for the playoffs was that, you know, obviously the extended playoffs and uh, the first round was all at the home team. You know, it wasn't going back and forth. Uh, and I know you helped out a little bit with the coverage of that, but seeing that whole new kind of playoff system, did you like it? Did you not like it? Uh, did you want it? Would you want it to come back, but make tweaks to it? What do you think of that playoff uh, format that came this year? I think for, you know, for this season, it worked really well. I think it made sense. Uh, to have it in those neutral sites, um, you know, and uh, the format was cool to see um, all those games in a row too. kind of change the strategy up a little bit, you know, in the past, you know, we've seen those travel days and all that stuff in there. So you can kind of change your rotation up and lean on maybe one or two pitchers more. This seemed like you had to have more depth to kind of get through all this and to get through seven days in a row with, you know, with this series, which was cool. I don't think they can probably replicate that though, going forward because the travel, especially if you're doing East coast versus West coast mm-hmm. teams, it's just too tough to do. Um, the extra wild card round, uh, you know, it created some fun and, you know, three game series. I think that could probably, my guess is it's probably going to stick. I mean, it sounds like MLB is going to expand postseason at least by a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to get too deep into the postseason, exp- you know, expanding because I don't want it to be too much like the NBA or the NFL where almost every team gets in, especially because MLB, uh, you know, so many things can happen in a playoff series. I mean, this year, I think, didn't happen as much. I think MLB was fortunate that you know, the Dodgers were the best team in the NL uh, during the regular season and got to the World Series. Same with the Rays and the AL, the two best teams 
face each other. But I do think the more teams in the playoffs, the more likely you can kind of have a, a team have a gimmick run to the championship. But, you know, it's still fun, obviously. But I think in terms of, like, making legitimate champions, you'd have fewer teams. But uh, obviously they're, they're in the business of making money and creating entertainment more than, you know, having a legit champion, I think. So in that sense, um, I, I think that they can kind of expand it a little bit, but I, I don't mind it as much. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, said, I think this postseason was, was, was pretty fun to watch. But obviously I'd like to see the fans back in there because that really is a huge difference in uh, the empty would stadiums. Too. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, wow. Not that we would yeah. be going. To yeah, the game, I, I mean, yeah. Red, at least got to go into the stadium. I right. did. Yeah, I, at least a little bit during this season. We I only, did. Only and I covered that Astros series too. Yeah, and I was at Astros A's at Dodger Stadium, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll be able to drive by it from the freeway and like wave, and yeah. then that's it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just about right. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the you know with the playoff expansion or whatever the additions, um, do you feel like? Uh, if they do expand to another playoff, like the wild card uh, tier or whatever, um, do you feel that takes away from like a division championship winner in your eyes? It could, it, it could. That's why I think maybe they could tweak it more and maybe have that wild card series too. Maybe, or if the wild, if they're facing off a division winner, maybe the division winner gets a one game lead to start the three game series. I only do that in, I think in Japan yeah. uh, or just, you know, you're, you're the home team the whole time this year that wasn't really, much of a benefit to be in the, to be in the league, right. to be in the, you know, to the championship. I think they'll probably tweak that going forward, especially knowing how much more that means in a long regular season, you know, to, to be that uh, division champion. So they got to find a way to kind of reward them more, whether it's going to be a buy, you know, a buy in the first round, or like I said, or even starting a shortened series with a, with a one game lead automatically. Uh, could be a thing, but yeah, I do think that they have to do that to kind of make that more of an incentive for sure. Yeah. Cause you know, in baseball, Winning a Western, West, winning a, a division championship means something. Like in basketball, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers have yeah. somebody, they don't even care, but or, or teams yeah. like that they don't even care. But <laughs> in course. baseball, it's important, right? I mean, that's yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's so much hard work to get to. Yeah. It's a long season. Uh, the players fans. definitely, uh, yeah. Two Lakers fans, sorry, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, I do think you're right, though. I think that in, in baseball, division champions are always celebrated, and teams put up banners for that. That's a, a real thing for sure, more so than it would be in other sports. So, uh, getting away from the, the all Lakers podcast, no, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, we can do that. We, now I know we could, yeah, right? Yeah, the season's uh, well, the season's going to start like in a month. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, playoffs happens. Obviously, you have the, like you mentioned, you had the devil. The, the, I still call them the Devil Rays. Am I the only one that the Rays? Right? The Rays, <laughs> no, sometimes. The Rays yeah. and the Dodgers. Obviously, the best two teams in each division or each league play for uh, the World Series. Dodgers obviously won. But after that, then we had the awards, the regular season awards. And this season, for our listeners out there, what award uh, did you vote for this year? Uh, this year, I voted for the AL Cy Young Award. Okay, so we'll start there. Um, AL Cy Young, obviously, unanimously, uh, uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane, don't call me Justin Bieber. Um, you know, unanimous. Did you know that? Did you have a feeling that was going to happen? Or what did you think about the voting with, uh, with, with Bieber? Yeah, he pretty much had that locked up uh, right away. I mean, pretty much by halfway through the season, everyone knew it was going to be unanimous. There really wasn't even anybody, uh, truthfully, even close to him. After that, it was kind of just figuring out uh, the best of the bunch from the, you know, from from then on because it was you know him head and shoulders above everyone else this year for sure. And then I did notice too, uh, you did vote for Bundy for th- was a third, third or fourth? Yeah, third. third. So what what went into that uh, decision for you? Um, I thought he had a really good bounce back year. I thought that he did a good job of, of you know, that the strikeout rate was really high. He, he limited walks. Uh, I thought that he really was a key for that angel rotation. Um, you know, it was a tough call from there. You know, I, I had some other guys on that list. Uh, Ryu uh, from Toronto, I think we had him right behind there at fourth. Fifth was really tough, too. It was tough leaving uh, Lance Lynn off altogether. I think he would have been in my top three probably if it weren't for his last this, this is so tough. I think it was the last three starts. He was just really not very good. Lance yeah. Lynn was. And I think just – I looked at everybody's starts, when, you know, every single one of their starts and kind of looked at it all. It was tough just because it was, you know, most guys made only 10 or 12 starts right. at the most anyway, and only a couple of them could kind of ruin it. But to me, it didn't really – you know, to, to me, it was such an obvious thing with, with, you know, with the number one. It was just after that, it was just kind of a – not a coin flip, but I, I did a lot of research, obviously, but it was really tough. I feel like after uh, having that number one vote for Bieber, after that, it kind of was a lot of those guys – uh, could you could make a case for a ton of guys in that? You know, Garrett Cole, I think I left off too, and he was certainly in that mix. So, um, you know, I think I had my eight and number two with the Twins, and he, he had a great year. So, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of tough. I'm not gonna lie. After that number one pick, was it harder this year because the sample size was so small, or was it like, oh, this is easier? Yeah. I have less games to watch. I have less like you know stuff to kind of intake. Or is it harder like, you know, last year or years past? Uh, I think it's just harder because I think slumps or just even pitching slumps get magnified more. Even with Trout, you know, in the offense, you know, if he just would have had an upswing there uh, instead of that little late downswing, you know, I think sometimes he does that sometimes where he goes for a little funk and then all of a sudden gets really heated up. You know, Trout could have turned back, you know, and, and given extra 10 games, mm-hmm. he could have had a huge stretch and, you know, had enough numbers to be the MVP. Instead, he finished on a down note and finished fifth. You know, you figure in a full season, he would have had time to turn it around and, and to kind of get back to his normal numbers. Not that they weren't that, they weren't that far off from his normal numbers anyway, but it was just a little bit off. And I think same thing with the pitchers. It was just one one bad start or two bad starts could totally throw you off from a, a great season. Um, and so it just kind of made it really tough, in, in my opinion. Yeah, because like one loss totally changes the outlook of that yeah. win-loss record, right? Exactly. Totally can yeah. flip it. And yeah, one bad start, your ERA can go up like a whole run almost. And it's just, it's just not uh, as easy as when a full season. Right. So just to kind of get an insider's perspective of this, like what are you looking for or what did you look for in a Cy Young? Were you looking like win-loss record? Were you looking, you know, strikeouts, uh, you know, percentages? What what were you really focusing on this year to, to kind of put, you know, get your vote over the top? Like this is my yeah. guy. I don't look at wins and losses too much. I mean, mostly, you know, I'll take a look, obviously, at basic stat, like ERA to see uh, everyone's ERA compared to each other. Um, but, you know, the advanced stats, too, I look at their FIP. They're, you know, fielding independent pitching to see how it looks with the defense stripped away and see what their, you know, how their strikeout percentages to their, you know, to their walk percentage as well. I think that's kind of, I think that's a really key uh, stat because I think that's kind of the, the main thing that pitchers can control are strikeouts and walks. I think sometimes... You know, once the ball's on play, it can be tough to, you know, say how much it's to help by the fielders or just a team being smarter with their positioning or even sometimes a little bit of luck with a, a shortened season especially. So, uh, you know, so in, in that sense, too, obviously looking at pitching war uh, on fan graphs and on baseball reference, and they do different ways of calculating that. And even uh, Sierra is another one's kind of a, um, a predictor for, for an ERA in a sense. So a lot of advanced statistics and kind of looking at those, but also – like I said, I still look at the game logs of all the pitchers too to see, uh, you know, what they're what they kind of did, and like that's why I said for me, looking at Lance Lynn's game log, uh, changed it for me to say look at the end there, and it was like three straight teams were playoff uh, caliber teams at the end where he actually was pitching for something in terms of it could have changed the race, and all three times he got shelled, I want to say, and that changed it for me just by looking at just the the narrative, I guess, of that. So, um, so for me, it's a lot of things. It takes a lot of time, uh, kind of you know, you know, kind of. Uh, early enough in the season where they kind of let you know, so you can kind of continue to always look at that and keep that in the back of your mind because you definitely don't want to look bad or, or make a bad decision there because uh, it is a very important award that, uh, you know, has even some people, some people even, you know, money involved in terms of finishes and that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? Like in yeah. their, you know, incentives Contract. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So now moving into the NL Cy Young, uh, Trevor Bauer, hopefully with the angels, we'll get to that a little bit later, <laughs> but um did you did you like Bauer winning it? Would you have went a different way if you had the NL vote? What would you have done? I think Bauer was probably the right choice. I mean, he was he was the best. I thought this year in the NL. Um, Darvish was right there with him, but even in that one head to head start, you know, Bauer pitched so much better. You know, same thing, small sample size, but they he pitched well head to head against Darvish and beat him that day. Um, and even Darvish that day said that you know Bauer's a Cy Young Award winner. So, um, yeah, to me, I, I think that made the most sense, and I, I would have voted that way. And then obviously the other uh, big time award was the MVP um, American League. Jose Abreu won it from the White Sox. Uh, your thoughts about Jose? I mean, it, it seems kind of hard though to judge these guys like for you because you're used to them coming through Angel right. Stadium once and then going to Chicago once. But this year, because like the regionalized schedule, you didn't see Chicago at all. You didn't see you know um, uh, Bieber at all. Like how, how a did. How would you think? What did you think of Jose winning the MVP? And then B, how hard was it to judge all these guys because you don't see them at all this year? Yeah, and also you don't really know the quality of competition too. You don't know how much better one division or what what team faced than the other, or what guys they faced pitching wise. Um, there's definitely, especially in that short of a season, there's going to be some built-in advantages or disadvantages that are hard to kind of find sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I think Abreu was. I, I probably would have voted for Abreu. Um, I know, uh, you know, Ramirez with, with the Indians had a, a great year too. 
and definitely would have been up in that, in that mix. Um, I'm curious to see too many how many people voted for for Bieber uh, for both because I thought he had a great year too. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would have had a Brayu there. I didn't I didn't look too deeply into exactly what I would have voted, but going into it though, I, it would have been either him or uh, yeah, or Ramirez. So obviously, then Freddie Freeman, Atlanta wins the NL. Do you have any initial thoughts about uh, him winning the NL MVP? Yeah, it made the most sense. He had the best, you know, offensive year there. Obviously, you can make a case for Mookie Betts, um, and obviously, you saw what Mookie could do in the postseason. But, um, but yeah, it made sense and cool. An Orange County kid uh, in Freeman, you know, winning that, and what Beaver's an Orange County kid too, yeah, <laughs> uh, winning the Cy Young. So that's pretty cool, obviously, as well. So then uh, we'll go real quick to the rookies of the year. Uh, AL was Kyle Lewis, uh, unanimous. And then Devin Williams, which is kind of odd, not odd, but um, a reliever for the Brewers, I believe. He won NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, anything from those two pop out to you at all as far as uh, – I mean, you probably saw uh, was it Kyle Lewis quite a bit. So any thoughts about either one of those? Yeah, Kyle Lewis is great. He's really fun to watch as a center fielder. You can tell he's going to have a great future. Um, I thought that, you know, Luis Robert was the other guy in that mix. I think Robert had a really bad finish. Um, or also could have been a lot more interesting, but I do think both those guys are, are definitely center fielders uh, to watch going forward. And, you know, and Devin Williams is, uh, was an incredible reliever. You know, too bad for the Brewers. He got hurt and couldn't pitch in the, in the postseason. Uh, you know, I think the Dodgers would have won either way, but I think that, you know, it would have been fun for him to get that experience because – his numbers as a reliever were, were absolutely incredible. And he has that, I guess, a changeup that just is unhittable. Yeah. And to Jared Walsh was eligible for that AL uh, not sign, rookie of the year. Do you think, I mean, he, like I said, we has, he has such a great month, but because that month, again, was just a month. Yeah. But in a 60 game season, that's all, that's a ton of time. Do you think, you know, he should have got more kind of recognition for it because of the 60 game abbreviated, or do you think, you know, it's just too little? Yeah. I mean, I would have him in the mix there, maybe top five, but, um, but yeah, probably not enough. Uh, certainly not what to overtake what Kyle Lewis did for a full season. And even, you know, Luis Robert with his defense, even, uh, you know, playing in center field there for the White Sox. And um, so, yeah, I mean, he should have been in the mix there, but I, I think you're right. I think this is the one month, you know, it's a decent sample size in a short season like this, but for me, it's probably not quite enough. And then, obviously, the last major one was Manager of the Year. We got a Florida sweep right. with uh, Kevin Cash and uh, Don, Don Mattingly, uh, the Rays and Marlins, respectively. Um, Kevin Cash, obviously, the big decision in the playoffs. You know, this is a pre, you know, a, a regular season award, so the postseason yeah. didn't come to play at all. Um, do you think any voters have second thoughts about after uh, voting for cash after that decision? No, I don't think so. I think they, they know it's a different uh, animal altogether. Uh, but at the same time, I think mostly people who watched that game uh, couldn't believe that they did that, you know, take out Snell like that when he was pitching that well um, and immediately kind of backfired. And I think most fans were, you know, weren't too surprised when it went that way. Um, so, yeah, but I think just in general, what he did with that team, we said earlier, the best record in the American league and, a lot of players, you know, truthfully, most fans don't even really, you know, never even heard of. Uh, but it's a great roster. They can move all these players around. He did a great job of managing that bullpen. And even, you know, they had a lot of guys hurt in that bullpen yeah. in the post- before the postseason, too. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he deserved a lot of credit. And, you know, Mattingly, uh, for the Marlins, he did that out of nowhere. I think no one really saw that coming, especially uh, early in the year with the big COVID outbreak within yeah. their team. Yeah. Then to come yeah. back after that, too. So I, I think that Mattingly was an easy choice for that one. Um, and I think that, you know, Cash certainly deserve it, too, uh, in Tampa. You look at uh, the Marlins, uh, you go like MLB.com, you look at their roster or their, their transition page. During that COVID outbreak, you had like – it was like three full pages of just going on COVID and then this guy getting brought up and this guy getting brought up. It was – yeah, it was pretty crazy to see. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, so we're going we're gonna to take a quick commercial break to get a word from our sponsors. When we come back from the other side, we're going to talk about the Angels offseason because I think, you know, there's a there's little bit news, of news, right? There's some news. I don't know. This might, is the second year in a row, there's right. some uh, big introduction. There, there might be. There might yeah. be something we could talk about here. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back. 
the wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be able to get to a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaches' props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head over to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. This is Hood Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Our partners at Manscaped are forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor that powers a 360-degree rotor dual blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out your nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum comfort while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's right. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors again for making this show possible. Quick shout out to at Archangel Pins on Instagram. Check them out. A lot of cool pins. They actually got some coming up soon here. Um, I got a sneak peek of a, uh, at a few. There's a couple other ones that he you has. You and your hookups. But uh, check it out. And I'm sure when we uh, when when they come through, we'll do some kind of giveaway on uh, Halo underscore Haven on Instagram. So check that out. But anyway, let's get into it. This off season, you know, last game of the season, the Angels. 
uh, let go of Billy Epler. Or was or, or was it maybe maybe you can help us? Leave? Maybe you can uh, help us, Red. It right. was just hey, your contract's up. We're not going to renew. Is that pretty much? What no, right? They, they gave him the extra year. So no, they. Gave oh, that's right. That's right. That came out. That came out like season. So yeah. So the correct yeah. term would be dismissed, or you know, dismissed. let go, or fired. Right. Um, that's why yeah, I mean, we bring a journalist on to, 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 to help clarify all this stuff. <laughs> well, we were confused though too because when they happened, I thought same thing. I wrote initially that same thing. He just decided not to to right. extend his contract, but sure enough, we found out that actually already gave him a one year extension during the season, or I guess it was before the season. Uh, yeah, I was. I think like with July. the whole thing. right. Yeah, it was yeah. before yeah. the shortened yeah. season, I guess. So um, and yeah. yeah, so the Angels actually announced that they you know took. Took their time a little bit, but they found the man, and, and Perry Manazian uh, was announced in a press conference on Tuesday. Greg, uh, what do you? What are your first impressions of Perry? Yeah, very impressed. You know, it's a guy that comes from a, a real baseball background. Grew up with the game. You know, his dad uh, was a longtime you know clubhouse manager for the Rangers. Uh, so Perry grew up in Texas, and you know, was it was a bat boy, and then worked his way, and I think he was a you know worked as a clubby for six years in there. And then from there transitioning to scouting, you don't really ever see anybody go from that kind of a role and move up the way he did. You know, it really is amazing to get into scouting and then kind of from there, you know, worked his way up with the Rangers, went to the Blue Jays for nine years and for six years was the director of scouting there. And then the last few years there had been with the Braves. Uh, you know, he's very close with uh, the Braves GM and Alex Anthopoulos. He's kind of one of his mentors, but the amazing thing with him is he just has so many mentors from all over the game because He's been, you know, it's been a part of his life since he was a little kid. So he's been around Hall of Famers and executives and managers and players, uh, you know, his whole life. So he's got a lot of contacts in the game. Um, you know, his brother's also a scout as well with the Giants. His other, another brother is a clubhouse coordinator as well. So we could maybe even see one of his brothers join him in the front office. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy that, you know, really knows his stuff. He comes off as a, you know, an engaging person, a guy that can really, He's good at listening, but also, you know, like I said, the communication thing is going to be key for him with, you know, with Madden and the team itself, but also other GMs and, you know, what, what's going on out there and obviously agents. And I think that he's got a good background in knowing just about everybody in the game uh, from the top on pretty much down to bottom. So, I mean, uh, if really for somebody who knows people and knows, you know, and has been around a lot of smart people in the game, it'd be him. You know, obviously he's got to prove that he can make the right moves to make this team you know, win, but, uh, you know, I, I think the background uh, as a baseball guy certainly made a lot of sense. So we have an email we put out uh, on our Instagram and our Twitter uh, asking for questions. And so we got our first one from Duncan Healy uh, about our loyal listener, Duncan Healy, um, from uh, talking about Menagian. Uh, Rhett, any idea what kind of philosophy he brings to the table? How does his philosophy make the Angels better? I mean, is it too soon to know, or did he talk about that at all with you guys? He talked about it a little bit. I think he's always talked about being a team builder. I think ever since he was a kid, he was saying he used to spend his dinner table time with his family, like building out 25-man rosters. So he's been into roster construction for a long time, um, and obviously he's pretty much has experience in every realm from you know the scouting and the professional level to the amateur level. Um, and as assistant GM for the Braves, he was involved like in all MLB things too and contracts and everything. So he really – has experience in every single realm. Um, I think he also has talked about the importance of pitching um, and catching too, you know, and I think the Braves have done a good job of developing some young pitchers. You know, I know Soroka was hurt this year, but, you know, we saw what Wright and Anderson, these young guys pitching the postseason for the Braves. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's going to be the key for them is developing the guys they have and then trying to acquire who they can uh, to make this rotation better and this bullpen better because they got to really get this pitching uh, in order – to, to win, especially with this, you know, I think they have a pretty good offense. Just going to be a matter of figuring out, you know, how to get this pitching better and then how to get more of it. And I think, you know, that's going to be huge for him. And we'll see if he can do it. I think obviously he's got a good pitching coach and Callaway to at least try to get these guys better. And I think that, you know, Madden does a good job of keeping guys, you know, he's energetic and keep guys active. I think a little tougher this year with COVID. Um, but I think some of the pieces are there. It's just a matter of uh, putting it all together and, and seeing what Perry can do. Yeah, so we, we just keep along with the emails. Uh, we got another one from Lamar Washington, another little listener. He says, hello, guys. He says, Rhett, with the Angels hiring of the new GM, do you see him trading away some of the farmhands to get something in return? And if so, who on the top of that list for possible trade? Is anyone in your eyes untouchable? 
It's a really good question. I don't, you know, it's hard to know exactly how Perry feels about the farm system and what guys he would view as untouchable. We know with, uh, with Billy that, you know, Joe Adele has pretty much always been untouchable. Uh, I'm curious to see if that would still be the case with Perry, if he'd be more likely to, to trade a guy like Adele or maybe even a Brandon Marsh uh, for, for, for pitching help um, and trade away one of their big prospects because they do have obviously a lot of, uh, you know, other, uh, you know, outfield prospects in their system. Uh, Jeremiah Jackson, some other guys in there too. Or, uh, so, yeah, so they have some guys in there already in their uh, farm system that can kind of fill in maybe eventually in the outfield. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we'll see. But I, I would, it wouldn't shock me for him to try to put together a trade for some prospects of prospects for from some pitching. But it's hard to know right now until we really get to know Perry how he values these guys. And I don't know that answer quite yet. But my guess is that, you know, he's going to be aggressive and that, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's really untouchable at this point. That's a good point. Make sure you follow Red on Twitter at Red Bollinger. So if any news breaks, you know exactly who to follow and uh, where to get it. So um, you, you mentioned it, pitching. Obviously, pitching is is the main thing for the Angels this season. Um, Trevor Bauer, we mentioned him obviously earlier. What about the Cy Young and all that stuff? But outside of him, because I think – and we, when we talked to Gooby a little while ago, we kind of mentioned it like, you know, 30 teams are going to want a Trevor Bauer. Right. But now looking past him, um, you see Marcus Stroman off the board, um, another kind of target of the Angels, it seemed like. Um, but with, outside of Bauer, what kind of targets do you think or what kind of pitching out there can actually make a legit um, difference for the Angels next year um, in the rotation? Yeah, that's another tough question, too. You're right. I mean, Bauer is like the main guy. I think they were hopeful that Stroman wasn't going to take that qualifying offer. Um, I think Kevin Gossman is an interesting guy. Same thing. He's tied to a you know qualifying offer as well in terms of he'd have to give up some draft pick compensation. Um, you know, Taiwan Walker is a guy I've heard a decent amount about uh, this offseason as potential for them. Um, otherwise, you might have to get into trades, you know, and yeah. see who's available out there as well um, because it kind of falls off. You know, there's some – uh, reclamation products out there in terms of starting pitching, but I feel like this team really needs to get guys that can k- kind of give them some innings too. You know, I think last year getting Bundy made a lot of sense as a durable guy who can give innings, and sure enough, Bundy ended up, you know, really turning it around, uh, you know, on top of that as well. So, um, but they kind of need that guaranteed depth because I think they have enough intriguing guys who could maybe do things for them, like, you know, Berea or Sandoval. Obviously, I think Canning's probably in that rotation, but um, even Suarez, some of these guys, you don't really know what you're going to get out of them yet. I think they need to get some more veterans they can really count on and, and build this rotation with some more depth here. And obviously, didn't you mention Otani, but uh, the hope is obviously Otani can come back healthy. And I know he's throwing now, but we don't really know too much uh, more other than the fact they're going to try to make Otani a uh, two-way player again next year. And that's a perfect segue into uh, our next email question from Val B. I think that's a, that's a new one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it says, good morning, guys. What do you guys think uh, if they go for Tanaka? And it says for a reasonable price so he can at least mentor Shohei Otani. Yeah, that could make sense, too. I didn't mention Tanaka, but, you know, he's been uh, a, a really good pitcher for the Yankees. And until this season was one of the best, you know, postseason pitchers uh, of all times in terms of numbers. Um, I know this year got hit around a little bit in the postseason. But, yeah, I mean, it could make sense, you know, to, to bring in uh, a guy that could, you know, mentor and at least – uh, another guy, you know, that Shohei could, you know, as a Japanese, fellow Japanese player on the same team, it'd be pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, you know, and Tanaka actually, yeah, could actually be a, a real uh, – I'm curious to see if he'd be interested in coming out west, you know, and playing for that team like the Angels. But uh, he'd be a real – I think it'd be definitely a, a big improvement for this rotation for sure. Uh, with Tanaka, I think – didn't he – If I correct me if I'm wrong, I think if you know, doesn't, didn't he have like the P&P injection in his elbow? So he's kind of like one of those guys right. where it's like – Every well, time yeah, he pitch, he can be like the the next one to have Tommy John. Yeah, I think he's is. You think is it's still torn? I guess technically, but they they've, they've given him the PRP injections in the past, and it, it's worked, and he stayed healthy and hasn't missed starts. I think somebody sort of flare up every now and then, but um, that is the risk, obviously, especially as a, a pitcher that's been around for a little bit. That if you were to get Tommy John, that would definitely not be what you'd want after signing him. But that also could make them, you know, his price a little bit lower as well. Obviously, and then if you're a fan of the Angels, you know the history of thinking huh. like, oh, you sign him, and then three uh. pitches into the regular season, bam, <laughs> there it goes. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that Garrett would, Richards maybe is out there too. You know, if you want to see if they can get G. Rich healthy and, and see what they can get out of him too. Does anything about you? You, you uh. mentioned G. Rich, and then obviously the playoff run with the Padres and the uh, and the Dodgers. 
they didn't use him as a starter at all. And then even in, out of the bullpen, it seemed sparingly. Does, do you think that's like a red flag to where like the team that originally or previously had him wasn't really willing to put him out there as a starter? I think he pitched pretty well. I think in relief late in the season, I thought. But the Dodgers also seemed to see him a lot this year and hit him pretty well. I think that's probably why they didn't use him as a starter in the postseason. Um, but, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern. And, you know, you know, he's coming off all these injuries. But the good news was he stayed healthy. His stuff still looked nasty, like always. You know, his breaking ball was still filthy. It's just a matter – you know, it still strike guys out. It's just a matter, I guess, just missing those barrels and not giving up the hard-hit balls that kind of seem to plague him here. But, you know, another year removed from injuries, he could be healthier. He could get back some velocity. He looked – I said he looked, he looked pretty nasty sometimes when I saw him pitch on TV – um, but yeah, I mean, it would still be a risk for sure. Yeah. So we're going to stick to the pitching, but this time we're going to move it to the bullpen. We got a question from Daryl Roberts. He said, Rhett, have you heard anything about the angels possibly going after a closer or late inning type guy, or do they stick with the Robles, Buttry, Keenan trio? Um, I would think they're going to go after, you know, some relief help for sure. Potentially even a closer, you know, with Hansel Robles, my guess is they're going to probably non-tender him. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to be a free agent after his down year. Um, you know, his velocity was down and all that, too. I mean, really internally, the, for the closure, they could go with Buttery or they could go with, you know, like Mike Myers was a breakout candidate. Um, you know, even Keenan Middleton seems now it's kind of down in the pecking order. I, I think he'll probably get tendered a contract just because he's going off a down year, and I don't know if he's going to get paid enough to get non-tendered, but even Keenan's kind of fallen off a little bit with his down year. So, um, there's definitely going to be a lot of turnover. I was even a little bit shocked that they, uh, you know, decided to, to DFA Cam Bajorosian early in the offseason because, yeah. you know, he actually pitched pretty well uh, the last few years, but obviously was hurt a little bit too. Um, and obviously still Justin Anderson is going to be out for another year with Tommy John. So there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a lot of turnover, I think, in that bullpen. And I think it's going to be up to Perry to really get in there and figure out what, make, what makes sense. You know, do they go more on bargain bin type guys they can find uh, that can really, you know, bounce back. Like I said, Mike Myers definitely did that. Um, I, you know, I know the Braves did that, and Perry talked a little bit about uh, who was it, the the lefty uh, Tyler Matzik, who I think is a local kid, too, that kind of came back from a bunch of injuries and ended up pitching in the postseason in, in key roles as a lefty reliever. So, and they could also move guys. Maybe Sandoval's a reliever, too. You know, obviously Peña, I guess, did mention Peña. Peña's also back of the rotation. Sorry, probably likely to say back of the bullpen type guy. I know Madden likes in that role. So there are some names there, but I think there's definitely going to be a chance to really add a lot more of those. And I think some of them might be a little bit more risky, but some we might actually see them go out and get an actual legitimate closer out there too as well. So like you, and you mentioned Pena and everyone knows like people or pitchers that come back from Tommy John, usually it's like the second year back is like kind of the best way to, to judge the guy. He's not necessarily the first year back with Pena's injury. I think it was an ACL or MCL, something in the knee. Is that kind of the same thing? Do you know, like, you know, maybe this wasn't the best year from just because of the fact that he was recovering from a, such a major um, surgery in the off season. Uh, it's hard to know. I mean, I think more, it's more likely or it's more of an issue with a uh, Tommy John because obviously you're, it's your throwing arm, you know, and you're throwing the ball on and it feels weird. And first few times you're trying to repeat that delivery and, you know, keep that command. And I think Tommy John just kind of hurts you with that sometimes coming back. In ACL, you probably have that feeling, you know, of, you know, I don't want to hurt myself and you're maybe not going all the way right away. But I think with bullpen sessions and, you know, see that this year without minor leagues, you couldn't have any rehab games. But I think with an ACL, um, you're probably better. You're probably more likely to be okay. Just I think it's less of a mental thing where I think sometimes I see with Tommy John, sometimes even mental as well. So obviously you mentioned a little bit earlier about Cambridge Ocean getting um, designated for assignment, uh, decided to go to free agent market. Um, is there any – I don't know if you know the, the names off the top of your head, but I'm looking at them right now. Is there any other names um, that you think might get non-tender? Because that date's coming up pretty quickly here as far as um, guys getting non-tender. We have guys – you said Justin Anderson, uh, Andres, Bajosian's gone, Bundy, Heaney, Meyer, uh, Middleton, Otani, Pena, Ramirez, Robles, and Stasi. You said about Robles already, but any of those other those names – kind of throw up a flag to you saying like, you know, maybe they're not going to get tendered when that deadline comes around. Yeah. I'm curious to see about like, you know, some of the relievers and even Ramirez. I mean, I like Ramirez a lot. I think he probably should be tendered a contract, but I wonder if they think that, you know, same thing, they could replace him for cheaper the same way with cam, just because he is going to get a raise um, on his contract being, um, you know, up for arbitration like that. 
Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the other guys, I said Myers is definitely going to come back. And Stassi, even though he's coming off the hip surgery, you know, they're going to definitely bring him back. And Otani is the biggest no-brainer on that list for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I think I'm curious to see what they do with the relievers. But, like I said, even Noe's kind of a little bit on the fence there. But, uh, like I said, I think Robles is pretty much going to be out for sure. And Keenan, same thing, kind of up in the air. As much as he – you know, I thought he was going to be – a future closer for them. And, and maybe he still could be, but it just seemed like last year he really kind of fell off the, the map with them. Yeah. Let's go. Let's stay there for a second with, with Middleton. Um, he got sent down to the alternate site in long beach um, at a certain point. And then it seemed like as the bullpen struggles were continuing, you know, Johnny and I would talk and be like, you know, he's better than some of these guys that they're putting out there. I wonder why um, he's not getting brought up. Was there any explanation? Was it, mechanical was it i don't know maybe mental did they say anything any reason why they sent him down to work on something yeah i think originally it was more just mechanical and getting him kind of fixed up there and uh you know same thing coming off tommy john can always be tough you know it was kind of his second season in a sense because he got in there late last the year before but um but yeah i think it was some of that and kind of getting just his more strike throwing because the stuff has always been pretty obviously really good um, and yeah, and I don't know how much, I don't know if any of it was mental. We obviously saw him, you know, some stuff going on with social media, I think deleting his account and that kind of yeah. stuff. So I think he reappeared recently, but might be back off it again. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that stuff. Um, and if that, you know, has anything to do with anything. So, uh, but it's you know, something you to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you hope that hopefully everything's okay and that, you know, he can kind of get back on track, but hard to know right now. We'll find out really soon here if it's going to be with the angels or not. As, as the Arizona State football coach, Herm Edwards, said when he was the New York Jets coach, don't press send. <laughs> that, that was his advice to kids. Don't press send. And it yeah. seemed like, I don't know, maybe Middleton pushed send maybe a little, a little too much. But, First rule of Twitter, don't tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Or, 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 you know, or delete your tweets before you get famous. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go back exactly. and start all over yeah. again. So you kind of mentioned a little bit with the Stasi. Uh, surgery, uh, the catching position. So, uh, Ru, uh, email Ruben emailed us two questions, but the first question was about the catching position. He's all thoughts on get going after Yadier Molina this offseason would be an upgrade. He says it would be an op- an upgrade offensively. I don't know if I agree with him on that part, but he did say and could really help our young pitchers next season. So, what are your thoughts about uh, bringing another Molina back to Anaheim? It could make some sense. You know, he's definitely, a, you know, had an incredible career, great defensively. Offensively, like you said, he hasn't – I think Stassi had obviously a better year. Um, but, yeah, I know obviously his brother is a catching coach and Jose on the – you know, so is on that Angel staff. And, uh, you know, obviously knows Albert Poole is very well. They're, you know, best friends pretty much. Uh, obviously, Tony LaRusso is part of this organization oh, for a little Jesus. while too, but not anymore. Um <laughs> So, yeah, but I thought that would also have been a, you know, a thing. But right now, I think with Albert, at least, and his brother part of it, yeah, maybe he does come to Anaheim. And, you know, it could make some sense, especially with Stassi. Um, you know, right now, coming off that hip surgery, we don't really know when he's going to be ready. Um, he's getting cl- – I mean, I know last year I had the same kind of one and got back in time for the start of the season, so maybe he'll be okay. Um, but Stassi even has to prove that he can be an everyday guy. I think this year was a great stepping stone to proving that he can be. But same thing, he still got hurt a little bit during the season – it wasn't a you know a full regular season of catching, um, so maybe getting him and, and pairing up with Yadier could could make you know a lot of sense there to, to do that. But uh, I haven't heard enough about the, how the catching going to shape up for the Angels yet. Obviously, I said with Perry being so new, but you got to expect it by at least check in on on him to make to see because it does it does make sense for sure. Yeah, it, it makes sense in, in in my eyes too, just because you know when you look at the depth the Angels have at catcher. I mean, aside from Stasi, who do you got? Ben Boom and Briseño. I don't know if those are guys mm-hmm. that they're really kind of bank yeah do anything really right Bam Bam's so. still on the 40 man but yeah and yeah. Racine is already off the 40 so yeah yeah they don't um, have any prospects right so um to go Ruben had another question I said out of all the shortstops that will be free agents next year which one do you think the Angels go after and now this is only if they do go after a shortstop maybe like you said earlier maybe Fletcher's a guy and they go after a second baseman but who in that do you do you see anybody that the Angels are, are looking maybe kind of have attention on there in the middle of the infield there yeah, I think Didi Gregorius could be a guy they could look at for sure. Um, and if they really want to get, you know, interesting and go the trade route, I mean, 
and go big. They could go for Trevor Story with the, with the Rockies. Ooh. I think he's going to be available. <laughs> um, you know, that would be a huge one, but I don't know if I really see that. But if Barry wants to make a splash <laughs> and make a big trade, that's a splash. Yeah, that and would be a huge one to get a shortstop like that. Yeah, yeah that would be huge. So yeah. um, they can get creative there, though. I think that, like I said, they can go to second base too. I don't really see them being a player for LeMayhew, but I mean, they really they, they could if they wanted to be. Um, I don't really know his thoughts on where he wants to play or play West or East or wherever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, at least it gives them some options here um, at shortstop just because they do have either either position open, depending on what they want to do with Fletcher. So obviously then to um, other offensive positions that might need to be addressed, like you kind of mentioned it earlier, like offensively, it doesn't seem like the angels are, are, are in a bad position, but we've talked to guys that say maybe they look at a quarter infielder, maybe they look at another, like a fourth outfielder. Is there any other position besides the ones we've already talked about that you think the angels address, whether it's um, through the trade market or, or getting a free agent? I, I think they'll probably just make the priority shortstop obviously your second base and catcher. I think otherwise, corner infield, I think they're probably more likely just to lean on, on Walsh and Pools there uh, at first, and then maybe even Thice is a backup there at the third. Fletcher, needs to go back there too, because they can obviously have Renjifo on that roster too as well uh, as kind of more of a utility guy. Um, and, and outfield they could, but I think right now with, you know, with Upton bouncing back, and, and actually, you know, Taylor uh, Ward had a pretty good year. I think that helps with their depth. Um, Got to hope that Adele can continue to turn it around and, and get better. So you could always add a, like an extra outfielder type, but it might even be like a minor league free agent signing type that could compete for a job um, more so than an actual like big signing. But it's going to be interesting. We'll know a lot more even soon with all these non-tenders and stuff. And there's going to be, I think, a lot of free agents out there and a lot of guys you could actually pick up that may be at reasonable prices because, um, you know, just because of the, you know, the coronavirus and just, I think, the market's going to be down in general, except for the, for the elite guys. So I think if the Angels want to fill in some holes and plug in some things and be aggressive and spend some money, I mean, I think they can do it. And I think those guys are going to be there. Just going to be up to Artie um, and, and Perry to see exactly how much money they want to spend and how they're going to do that. So, you know, it kind of makes or brings up another thing I want to talk about real quick is that obviously Perry just got in there and there's some assistant GMs that, that left before even the new GM got announced. How important do you think it is for an organization? Cause I think when people see the GM, it's like, you know, he's, he's in charge of everything, but how important is it for him to surround himself with good guys, good scouts, good assistant GMs to give him the right information? Well, that's going to be huge. That's going to be the big thing. You know, and I don't know the answer enough on exactly how he wants to build out his staff, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big part of it. You know, having, Guys, you can trust, you know, and, and as you know, it said people left the, the assistant GMs left this. So the front office right now, in terms of actual decision makers, is, is pretty barren outside of you know Perry up there, and you know Bill Stoneman still uh, you know a, you know one he's of the senior advisors. <laughs> so he's and he had a lot of power in terms of the say for this you know this hire with with obviously already making final say and, and Carpino in that mix as well. Um, so yeah, he's got you know he's got to be able to do that. You know, the Angels also let go of some scouts too. So he's got to rebuild that and figure out exactly how he's going to do that and what Artie's going to allow him to do. Um, you know, I covered the Twins before this, and they, you know, made an interesting hire. Uh, you know, the way they did it was they ended up hiring two people, and Derek Falvey and, you know, Thad Levine. And then from there, same thing. They kept some guys in the front office, but then it's kind of rebuilt it, hired their own new guys in there uh, from different backgrounds, like redid the minor league system, and really just made a ton of new hires and just kind of rebuilt it in their own image. And sure enough, now the Twins – are one of the better teams in the American league and have a lot of depth in their farm system and seem to be kind of a team on the rise. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, and that's, I think that's a big reason why is because they really built out their staff and made big hires from, you know, other teams and even other leagues and stuff. So I, I think that you got to get creative and Perry's got to really figure this out. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if his brother, uh, he was really well, well regarded with the giants were to join him on the staff too. That would be helpful as well. So we'll see who he brings along, but I have to figure he's going to bring in at least some experienced people here. Um, to help him because he is a first-time GM, and then that that brings up a good topic or a good uh, uh, transition. A lot of fans, you know, I don't know if they blew up your Twitter, but I kind of saw it uh, on social media. The fact that they went with a first-time GM and not a name that maybe has bounced around for a little bit, um, you know, how, what are your thoughts on on them just hiring a first-time GM compared to a guy that's gone through it and? and maybe struggled at times, but maybe has learned from it. 
Yeah, and even the thing was interesting too is the fact that you know Perry, this was his first time interviewing for the GM job for any team. You know, a lot of times too, even if guys are first time GMs, they've at least been through you know interview processes with teams and kind of know you know how that goes, or just you know have, have been around and done that. But you know, it's pretty interesting. This was his first time ever interviewing, and sure enough, you know he gets the job his very first time, which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's too much criticism warranted there. I mean. You know, you could get an experienced guy, and obviously, you know, I think Michael Hill was a guy that could have been interesting from the Marlins as a guy that kind of built that team up um, and then was let go because of salary reasons. So there were some guys out there. You know, obviously, Dombrowski was a guy I talked about a lot early. Turns out he wanted to stay as part of that Nashville group. So he was never really a candidate. So, um, so yeah, I think it was this was a smart, you know, a hire. I think that kind of bucked the trend of going against somebody that, you know, so many teams now are Ivy League-educated executives and – they all kind of think the same way, at least in some ways. Perry comes from more of a scouting background and not that – and obviously he's going to blend analytics. and the Analytics are going to be big for them, and they're always going to be big in baseball going forward. But I think he also knows the importance of scouting um, and all that too, which I think should really help his team kind of be more well, well-rounded going forward. Yeah, uh, I'm with Dan. We, we, you know, we see a lot of comments because of our Hato Haven, you know, our, our, our pages on Facebook and stuff. So we see a lot of fan, we have a lot of fan interaction and it was just kind of weird to me that people were kind of upset that, yeah, who is this guy and whatever. But in reality, I mean, who really was available that was a name that Victor Rojas, right? Well, I'm not saying like (laughs) they wanted like, you know, Theo Epstein or somebody like that. Like really who was available? No one was really available. Right. I mean, aside from the guy you you mentioned from my or from the Marlins, you know, uh, and Dabrowski, they're they're really, I mean, they were more than likely going to go after a guy who's rather new to or assistant GM Mm -hmm. or right. A first timer. Right. Yeah, all, all, I think all six of their of their finalists were all first timers. You know, uh, guys had never been GMs before. I think you know Ruben Ambrose was a guy they I think they interviewed that was a former GM, obviously of the Phillies. Yeah. So there were some guys that were you know, and like you said, even some guys they would have liked to have talked to uh, from organizations. The teams just said no. Like obviously the Rays were not going to let them interview <laughs> right. anybody from like Leander or any of those guys, yeah. and uh, you know like I think with the A's too, Force said they would let Force interview. So. Some of these big names that would have brought over, they weren't even allowed to interview. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to go somewhere, someone kind of new. And mm-hmm. um, I think that Perry just kind of fit that mold of a guy that that already wanted that was, you know, more of a baseball guy and, and really just wants to build a quick, you know, build a winner here and kind of change the culture of, the, of this franchise. Um, and it, it is a little risky, you know, except to hire a first-time guy. And um, But I said he's a guy that's been around baseball his whole life, so he knows – how front offices are run, and he has people you know that he can lean on to help him with that. I, I think, and I know you don't, you're not going to know the answer, so I'm guessing I'm asking for more of an opinion off of this. But, but can Perry, and this has kind of been the issue with the Angels, it seems like for a while now, can Perry control Marino as far as him not getting too, you know, involved in everything? Because it seems like you know the big contracts of certain players or him. You know, we had this issue last year with as far as the uh, Jock Peterson and, and the trade and all that stuff and how Artie was the one that, that, that cut that. Do you think – again, I don't expect you to know this, but do you think Perry can at least – I mean, pull the reins back at least a little bit off of uh, Artie on this one? Um, I don't really see that happening in a sense. I, I think that Artie owns a team and he's going to do what he sees fit and what he kind of – you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we asked Carpino that question and – not in that many words, but, you know, in, in the, as part of the search and Carpino pretty much has said, that's just Artie and, you know, he owns a team and that's his, that's his right to do that. It's his business. If he wants to give his two cents and to say what he wants for that team, he's going to do it. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to really change too much. I think that Artie, if there's a guy that he wants, you know, Rendon was one of those guys he wanted and obviously so was, you know, pools. Um, you could go to the line of other guys too, that he wanted that, you know, for better or worse, but, um, you know, he's a passionate guy and, and um, you know, he's how to sell tickets. He knows, you know, how to, he's trying to find a way to, to build a winner again. It's been a while now. And um, I think the hope is that, you know, Perry could maybe, maybe Perry does get a little bit more autonomy, but you're right. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work yet. We'll see how it goes. But I, I do think just, you know, Artie's always going to have a, a, a say because he's the owner and he believes that, you know, that's his right. And it is. Yeah. That's, I guess that's the one thing is that the wild card and all of this, if, if, you know, if Artie kind of leans back a little bit and just lets Perry do his thing, that can probably work out pretty well. But, you know, um, 
we didn't mention at the beginning, but this is our 200th episode, so we uh, are very uh, – there we go. We got uh, Chris, the, the the crowd of one in the background. But, again, uh, Red, we want to thank you for being <laughs> yeah. um, our, our guest on this 200th episode and just talking in the off se- about off-season stuff. And I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, meet up again, maybe, you know, knock on wood, maybe for the, with a – a Bauer signing or something. I hope so. Something, something like, fun, yeah. Something like that will happen during the uh, off season. Now that it's kind of in full go. One more thing before I, that made me remember: winter meetings and owners meetings. Do you know exactly how that's going to work this year? Because I know a lot of fans get excited when those come around because of the the possibility of deals being made or trades happening. Yeah, they're both off. Uh, from what I've been told, I don't think that any team or anybody's going to be traveling. I think some teams still might be doing some winter meeting type things, whether it's, you know, kind of planned zoom calls and stuff like that, you know, and I think there's still stuff that has to be talked about, you know, league wide and that kind of stuff. So there'll still be things that would have happened at the winter meetings that will happen, uh, you know, via zoom and all that. But in terms of actual, that kind of action of, of the, of the deadline, I don't, not a deadline, but just the action of all the deals happening like that. I don't really see that because there's not going to be GMs and agents all in one place like it was in the past. Um, and so there's going to be that artificial kind of, like I said, deadline in the sense, but there's not going to be that feeling anymore. So yeah, from what I've heard, they're both pretty much just off and say so some teams still might have some availability that week and might make their, you know, team manager, their GMs available to talk about, you know, their, their organization and that kind of stuff. But in terms of actual G, you know, GM or winter meetings in person, uh, they're both totally off this year. All right. So I guess maybe it doesn't happen all at once. Maybe it's spread out over uh, be slow. We'll see. a couple of weeks, maybe instead of all, because it seems like last year it was pretty crazy once Cole decided to sign and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. Redone and then uh, the craziness happened. But again, Strasburg too is right in there. Strasburg, yeah. you're right. Strasburg, you're right. So again, Rhett, thank you very much yes. um, for taking time out and chatting with us. It's obviously always a lot of fun. But before we go, uh, a real quick, uh, I guess, update on the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. If you guys know or follow us, you know how close we are with the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. Um, they had a Thanksgiving, uh, you know, uh, fundraiser. Fundraiser, yeah. fundraiser. So, uh, you know, Carly, we met Carly. She really wanted us to kind of get these numbers out there and let you know that, uh, you know, they got 16 cooked – six. 600 cooked meals for nice. families out in LA and Santa Monica area. And now they're kind of moving on to the next part of the holidays. And that is Christmas. Christmas. And they are doing a use uh, for UCLA uh, pediatric patients. They're doing like a toy drive. Um, they're trying to stuff 72 stockings. And if you guys are interested in donating, obviously you can go to the tyreskagsfoundation.org and donate there, or they actually even have a Amazon gift registry right now. And, when we talked earlier today, and again, maybe more by the time you're listening to this, it's, it's, it's you know, a couple a couple days, but there was 10 toys left to purchase. People are going on there, purchasing awesome. them, and then donating them to the, obviously, like I said, the UCLA pediatric patients there. Um, but you can always find that link in the bio for the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. Again, it's Tyler Skaggs Foundation 45 on Instagram, I believe. And um, Carly really wanted me to say that everyone deserves a happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays during this tough time. So again, if you're, if you're able to, um, we have, and, and we work really close with them. We ask you to donate um, to that foundation and, and mean a lot. And it would mean a lot to Carly and obviously Debbie uh, Tyler's mom. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do your thing guys, if you can. So again, uh, thanks Rhett. Appreciate your time. Um, and that's uh, that's it. That's a wrap. I am Johnny Mann. I am Dan Garcia. And you've listened to another edition of the All Angels Podcast.